The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In today's episode of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Kirsty Worth from Cultured Wellness to explore gut health from preconception and beyond. You will learn the significance of preparing your gut for conception, and we're not just talking about the mother, what probiotic foods and supplements can be consumed during pregnancy, what else you can do to create a thriving microbiome in your child, and so much more. Hi, Kirsty, and welcome back to the show. Hey, Steph. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about today's topic. Obviously, it's one very close to my heart at the moment. So we've obviously got you back on to talk all things pregnancy nutrition. Um, I wanted to jump straight in and talk about, you know, gut health in relation to pregnancy and, and how important it is to consider this, say, prior to conceiving. Oh, my gosh. Steph, where do I start on I this know. one? Um, so like it's big, it's big. Um, mm. But, it, yeah, it, it's really important. I don't even know how to sort of define how important it is, but it is very important because, you know, right from the get-go, if your gut health is compromised, you're not going to be assimilating the nutrients that you need to be able to then support this beautiful human that you're growing like just on the like the real basic kind of level so Mm. um you know we want to make sure that we are eating obviously a beautiful diet rich in all these incredible nutrients to support this growing little bubs but if we're eating that diet but not digesting and assimilating um that you know we're going to really struggle to ensure that bubs has the best chance in life so even prior to conceiving, we need to make sure we build up that diversity. There's an incredible amount of diversity there. And, you know, there is, there is risks associated with having um, dysbiosis within the gut. Um, you know, my, my, in my situation, unfortunately, 
um, is a great example of what can go wrong. So, um, you know, I had clostridium difficile, I had strep infections, I had um, very significant gut dysbiosis. And when a child comes on down through that birth canal, they are bathed in all of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they really do either, you know, go on through and uh, are exposed to such incredible microbial community from mother or they're exposed to pathogens. And so when my kids came through, they were exposed to some pretty horrific pathogens, which from the outset sparked their immune system to be on alert and alarmed from the get-go. So their nervous system, their fight-or-flight response, literally from the minute they came out, was set in stone. And, you know, that's really hard to reset that once it started. Obviously, we want a child to come out, blissed out. This will be your child, Steph. You know, (laughs) completely blissed out, straight onto mum's skin with mum's microbiome. They've collected all that beautiful, you know, bugs on the way and off you go. But we know that if a child starts with uh, a dysbiosis and with that bacteria that, you know, they, they don't get a beautiful colonised gut, they find it hard to then digest mum's milk because they don't have the right, you know, bifidobacterium strains that help to digest the sugars in mum's milk. And then they can sometimes have failure to thrive. This is where we see kids having to go on, um, you know, formula because they don't have the bacteria to digest mum's milk. We also know that, you know, there's been studies showing that, you know, mums that when they're pregnant who've had basic, basic bacteria strains like, you know, Lactobacillus rhamnos and Bifidobacterium strains, there was improved birth weight and length and the robustness of the children just from taking basic bacteria as probiotics. So, you know, imagine if a mother had that beautiful diversity, the mum had an incredible sort of immune system, had, a you know, a robust bacteria and even on their skin, that the bacteria was beneficial. So when the baby comes onto your skin, they're not getting, um, you know, obviously pathogenic bacteria. So it's, it's really, really important. You do not want to have parasites or infections and then handing them on to your child as the first thing that they get in their start in life. So there are risks. There's definitely um, gestational diabetes risks. Um, there are certainly low birth weight is um, now we're unfortunately seeing, um, and as was the case with my son Noah, that a low diversity of gut bacteria in mother um, has now been researched in correlation to autism, ADHD, learning difficulties, dyslexia, the list goes on. So without freaking everyone out, mm. yeah, it's pretty important. And, you know, and I... I I've lived it. I've seen it firsthand. It's one thing to know that it's in the research. It's another thing to have lived it. Um, Obviously why I'm pretty passionate about what I do now because we don't want any other children having to start off life like my kids did. Totally. And we know not your, it might sound quite overwhelming to someone that's hearing this for the first time. And I can absolutely appreciate that. But we know you're not telling us this to freak us out. It's because it's not a conversation that we have. Like I'm now, um, 
well, coming up to 35 weeks pregnant and not once have I had a conversation with, um, you know, any of the doctors that I saw initially or sonographers or whoever I was in touch with about my gut health, you know. And so for me, I just feel so grateful that I'm trained as a nutritionist, that I know what I know and similar to you, like not that I've had a personal experience, but I'm still really passionate about sharing that with my clients that come to me with fertility or conception or pregnancy um, goals because it's not a conversation that we're having and considering the significance and how it can set them up for literally life it's got to be one that we're comfortable having and you know we're so grateful for you to share this with us yeah and I think um, for those of you who have had children and are in the same boat as me and your children have concerns and and you've had that horrible dark moment of going oh I think well I know that that's because my microbiome was out of whack, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's fine. Like I have, I have seen um, and spoken to some beautiful professionals to help me through that grief mm. and, um, and, you know, I, I'm at one with it now and I think that's very important to acknowledge that mm-hmm. there, there is a process to go through with that and that that's okay and I can't imagine my kids starting their life any other way now because... Yeah. I always, Noah and I always talk about the fact that he's taken it for the team, but you know <laughs> now there's so many other people out there that will benefit from his experience. So, That's so beautiful. Yeah, there's always a, yeah. a, you know, a light to it, but there is a process of, of healing and um, uh, you know going through that. Um, but yeah, it is it is really important, and we, what we see now, even with um, there is a lot of tongue tie. Mm-hmm. Lots of that going on yeah. at the moment. Um, it's actually quite a remarkable to see um, that sort of generation of 30-year-olds at the moment, women who are 30 at the moment, having kids with tongue tie. And to me, we've got to look at, okay, what's going on with mum's folate in her diet? What's going on with accessing the nutrients? Why is this happening? And it does all come down to making sure that um, our gut microbiome is intact. Our liver is well supported. Bubs is getting all that beautiful folate and nutrition during conception and also during pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge issue. And again, it's probably not easy to hear for someone that has experienced a child with tongue tie. And it is often, um, there is often weeks or months until there's a diagnosis, which is usually a huge relief to explain feeding difficulties or behavioural challenges, but to know that it can sometimes be due to the um, prenatal advice you've been given or the genetics, so your MTHFR that you may not have had tested or had some awareness to before you embarked on your fertility journey. So that's, again, something that I'm really passionate about educating my clients on, as I know you are, Kirsty, because there's a lot of information that's being given that is far too generic considering genetic polymorphisms and and what the impact that might have on the unborn child if a mother can't tolerate the synthetic folic acid that's being given to every single female in the Western world who goes to see a medical practitioner and and talk, you know, prenatal care. Mm, Absolutely. And if that has happened to you, what a wonderful... um, warning sign we've um, talked about this in a previous podcast it's a great warning sign to say you know what 
I've got an incredible, special, gorgeous baby on my hands that I know needs extra support in an MTHFR, you know, methylation. And I know this from the get-go as opposed to, you know, I learned about having MT- MTHFR when I was about 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so mm-hmm. I also see it as this wonderful gift Blessing. That, mm-hmm. um, and to be thankful for that we know about it and um, that it can be solved and bugs can, because it's very traumatic, um, yeah. and the feeding and um, being aware so then it can be sorted out and then knowing that, you know, and that can really protect the child against learning issues, behaviour issues, growth issues. So it's it, I, I see it as thank you for this mm. little warning sign. I can now support my child for the rest of their life. Yeah, it's a symptom to investigate a little bit further and that's information, as you say, is, is so powerful to receive. So talking about the, the gut in relation to, say, preconception care, what would be your advice to someone who's maybe got some information about their gut health, some dysbiosis or some awareness of some pathogens? What advice would you give them in terms of, um, I guess, a timeline to balance the gut before moving on to that conception journey? Mm. So with regards to a timeline, that's going to be relevant to how long it's going to take you to rebuild that diversity. Mm-hmm. So some, um, so it, it, it's going to be fluid and it's going to be hard to define, but mm. I would say that someone who, um, you know, has, for example, has done a, a gut test and gone, you know what, whoa, I can see that I've got some blasto in here or um, I can see that there's some a lack of diversity. You know, we get lots of people that, there's nothing really remarkable going on. There's just a lack of diversity in there. Mm-hmm. And I would say that um, for me, from what I've been through, I would want to make sure that there was diversity there and that there was, um, you know, which diversity being a robust amount of bacteria and lots of different types and that there was no pathogenic activity. So, and I, I would want to see that, um, you know, for at least a couple of cycles, um, and because then, and then, once that diversity's come back and everything's looking good, getting some bloods to make sure that that beautiful bacteria is now helping you digest your food and your nutrient levels are at optimum level. Because when we don't have the beautiful balanced gut, we often are quite deficient, and that's very important that we've got to be. You know, the tank's got to be well topped up, as you would know, Steph. I'm sure you're feeling quite deficient, you know, like worn out and the every, all that energy is going straight into creating this human. You've got to have the tank completely full before you even start. So how long would you wait until, you know, you started conceiving? I, I, I think that that would be around optimal nutrition and ensuring that you've had diversity for, for a good couple of months. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think um, it might not be easy to hear, but also so important because of the fact that you've got this information that can really set things up to be the complete night and day experience. And it might not be easy to hear the advice that you should wait three months and especially if someone's really cracking to get going or they've got their own reasons for their timeline, which I definitely appreciate. But um 
you know, it's that it's that long-term game that we're thinking about. And in the big scheme of things, three to six months is, is a drop in the ocean. But, you know, speaking, uh, speaking of being depleted, like I... Um, I've had blood, I had blood tests at 13 weeks and 20 weeks. And in that space, my ferritin, my iron stores had dropped by 50%. For me, that was a really fascinating, like, lesson. Obviously, my first pregnancy, lots of new things for me to experience. Um, And, yeah, you're literally sharing your stores with a human. And um, there's more that you need to do to make sure you don't end up in a state where, like, I meet so many women that are needing iron infusions because, you know, their stores are that low. And I think we can, in most cases, use the information that we've got in this day and age and and take action before we get to the point where we're that depleted and and suffering as a result. Totally. And birth... Birthing a child is the most incredible, amazing experience that you'll ever go through, but it requires a fair amount of effort from the body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things can happen during a birth. And once again, if you go in to the birth depleted, then and something, you know, you might need those extra stores for something um, that might happen you know, you want to make sure that you're there and you're present and everything's all ready to go so it can be the best experience for you. So, you know, for you, you know, bumping those iron stores back up again is going to be absolutely vital to be to have the energy to have an awesome labour. Yeah, absolutely. And it was and once I was, you know, once I had that information and I was able to take action, I felt completely different. Like it was, again, night and day for me to you know, be able to get the, get the, get the knowledge, like the, the stats, the data, which explained why I was feeling a little bit, um, you know, tired towards my, well, it was my third trimester. So, you know, most people are pretty tired around about that time, but still like to, to not leave it to the point where I was just assuming I was tired and, and not looking yeah. at some reasons why I could, you know, what I could, what I could do to make myself feel better for the last month or two of, of pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Now I want to talk about the father's role. You know, I think this is definitely a conversation that we're seeing a lot more often these days, but not often do people look at that conception as being 50, 50, you know, a lot of the responsibilities put onto the mother. Um, but obviously there's a, a huge role that the father plays. So talk to us about your thoughts there. Um, that influence. Yeah. So we do, we do now know so sorry to all those men who thought that they were off (laughs) scot-free we do now know that there really is you know in some of the literature the men play an even bigger role than the women do in that conception um phase of setting up that little human so with you know stress responses um we we know that uh, you know the bacteria that comes through has such an important part to play and, and the father's microbiome, um, you know, in obviously con- conception. So, um, yeah, it's it, the, when women go through this, okay, I'm going to clean up and I'm going to get my body ready, the males really, really need to jump on board mm. that as well. Um, I recently sat through an incredible lecture, well, not recently, it was at mine last year, but... Um, about the male microbiome with regards to conception. And I just was with the mouth open kind of situation mm-hmm. going, 
oh my god you know I just didn't it, we just don't didn't realize it until now and it is really cutting edge on what's coming out on, on the impact so um, it is responsibility of, of mm. both sharing that bacteria um, like you know making sure that it, the bacteria that's shared amongst the whole family even when baby comes out and it's on um, dad's skin that it's beneficial beautiful bacteria yeah it's so significant again so i think for me personally it was chatting to ian about how important that was to me we did like a three-month like for one of the better word cleanse before we decided that we were going to um have a bub and you know maybe he would have rather not been involved <laughs> bless but i was like no we're gonna do this we're doing this together and of course he was open to the idea don't get me wrong um, but yeah. I can also imagine that it's not an easy conversation for everyone to have. My husband's a chiropractor, so he's naturally, you know, in this world every day of his life um, and has trained under, you know, some really amazing mentors in the field that, that work in um, fertility and, you know, preconception and antenatal care. So I don't expect it to be, a, you know, an easy conversation to everyone have with their partner but again, thinking about what the ultimate goal is, like to have this beautiful baby that's got that best chance to thrive and it's not you having to pick up the pieces later on, wishing you had found out these things earlier. Yeah, and look, if you are having a conversation with your partner about this and they're not jumping on board, all I can say to them is talk to them about, well, do you love your sleep? Because mm -hmm. it's either having a child that will sleep is calm doesn't have developmental issues is a real joy to be around as opposed to a child that comes into the world stressed screams won't settle and has learning and development issues it is that it's that big mm. and um, sometimes we just need to hit these fellows over the head with it <laughs> <laughs> well no it's a good angle to look at it is because it's probably not on their radar when you're asking them to go gluten-free and to start consuming you know fermented foods and probiotics but yeah i mean if it's that if it's that night and day as to the kind of child and how it's going to impact their life and your marriage and your stress levels and your sleep then yeah i think that's a really good lens yeah. to share with them oh yeah i mean you know i often you know, my husband and I talk about it sometimes or I talk with other men about it. <laughs> it is. It's like, well, you could live in our world of, you know, when when we when I was young, of literally mm -hmm. we slept an hour a night and just screamed the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. Living through that and there's no escape or just going gluten-free and cutting back on the beers, I mean... <laughs> I know which one I would choose. <laughs> sleep is a form of torture, people. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lack yeah. of sleep is a form of torture, uh, that's for just, sure. It, mm. Exactly. So it is just sort of really, come on, this, this is big. You know, yeah. It can cause really big. Yeah. For sure. So just a couple of questions about probiotic foods and supplements during pregnancy. Um, you know, can we consume these foods and supplements? Are there any considerations that we need to make? Yes. So probiotic foods, absolutely. I mean, I'm, a, as you know, a test don't guess kind of girl now. Mm -hmm. And so if you saw a beautiful doctor or you saw a beautiful um, you know, gynecologist or, so, or someone who 
um, said to you, take these probiotics. They've been known to be really good for mums who are expecting. I would like to see you have a gut test first because you might be actually, you might have an overgrowth of lactobacillus in your gut, for example, which may also be in the vaginal passage. It may be in your mouth. It may be on your nipples that, you know, the child will then breastfeed with. And if you are then taking that probiotic that your doctor has suggested for you to take, you could then be causing an overgrowth, which has its own problems. So if you're going to be taking powdered probiotics, I would do that with the information of having a, um, a fecal microbial analysis. That's very important. But fermented foods and probiotic foods work really synergistically with the body and they would be fine to have unless you know, there was some major, major um, anomaly that you would know about anyway. But... They're absolutely, having beautiful probiotic foods is important. Um, making sure that you are getting that nutrients in. And, you know, your example of the iron is such a great example of um, we, you can't believe how much nutrients you use up. Yeah. So you've constantly got, you know, every single piece of food that goes into your mouth, you have to consider, you know, what is the, how... How robust is the nutrients in this food to feed myself and my baby? So a bowl of ice cream, not very robust, not much <laughs> nutrients. Um, and it might fill you up, but it's not going to nurture and grow either of you. So, you know, every, every mouthful, is it really does sort of, um, you know, feed yourself and your baby and making sure that you're focusing on that is very, very important. Yeah, and so this is a conversation that we've had in many of our previous episodes that I'll link up to today's episode because someone might be thinking, all right, what? yes, that's great, I can consume these foods and supplements or beverages, but what? <laughs> um, yeah. So, of course, test don't guess, but also please do think, you know, diversity and starting gradual, they're some of the big takeaways that we always talk about. So you don't want to just drink kombucha and you definitely don't want to start jumping in the deep end if um, it's something thing that's new to you so as i said head to the show notes and um i'll link up some episodes for those that want to learn more about where to start but yeah absolutely important considering you're passing your gut health on to bub um and it is is it's going to give them the best start at life so anything else you wanted to add there as to what we can be doing during pregnancy to help bub and and yeah their, their health moving forward yeah, so we've seen some pretty incredible relationships between um, <laughs> mum's cortisol levels mm-hmm. and baby's cortisol levels. All the and yoga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yoga, yoga, yoga. Mm. Um, we know that trauma can be passed down for seven generations. Seven generations. So mm-hmm. people that were in concentration camps in World War Two. That can still, you know, that is felt through seven generations. And so it's really important that us as mums focus on mindful practices that drop our fight or flight response, drop our stress responses, so our child has a chance to also be in that state as opposed to being in that elevated trauma stress state. 
So just to top off this perfect storm for my poor Noah, I was studying my PhD when I was pregnant with Noah. And so um, anyone who's done a higher level of education, it's, it's pretty stressful. Um, and, you know, I travelled overseas to present some papers and um, I had to do data collection. I had to present reviews to the boards and to, my, you know, all of the academics. And I was, now I look back on it, in a constant state of stress. Mm. and I had didn't have any mindful practices no meditation I did do a lot of bushwalking and a lot of nature I've all that's been a big part of my life forever so there I did have practices of being in nature so thankfully I did have some um but I can't stress enough how important it is that um you know, this whole people laugh about just sitting there and talking to your tummy and calming it down. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's actually really important. Mm-hmm. And and dropping your heart rate, bringing your body back into that balance again, is just so important. And also, when you go into that birth, embracing it is the most exciting thing ever. So Bubs comes out not feeling stressed. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a birthing expert. I'm not a pregnancy expert. But from my own experiences, I can talk about my birth with Noah and my birth with Maya. It couldn't have been more different. And Noah and Maya are significantly different children. One came out just um, stressed out to the max and the other one came out blissed out. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and so making sure that, yeah, you've, you're mindful around your food and how you eat your food and how you embrace that food and nourish your body, dropping those stress responses, being out in nature, getting in the dirt, breathing in beautiful air, um, being around positive, like-minded people. It is, it is this big, important role as a mother. Mothering does not start when they come out, that's for sure. I know. And that, for me, was the biggest, um, or has been the biggest lesson Unfortunately, I personally found um, the the world of sort of pregnancy to be really fear-based. Like it was like, don't eat this, can't do that, shouldn't do that, be careful, can I pick up that chair for you? And I know that most people have my best interest at heart, but I feel really sorry for people that spend their nine months or longer feeling stressed and not knowing if they're doing the right thing and having people's opinions vomited on them all the time. And, you know, and I, I think it's such a beautiful journey. Again, I'm grateful for my own knowledge and ability to be intuitive when I make decisions about my health and my baby's health. But I have had an extremely pleasant experience. It's been incredible. Um, but I unfortunately meet people that, that feel the exact opposite. So for me, it, it's about sharing what I want to share with people that um, I guess have a similar ethos and being mindful, yeah, who I surround myself with. Like I don't want to hear about horrific birth stories. So if I'm around someone that's that's having that conversation, like I've just come up with fairly polite but blunt language about what I don't want to hear at this point in time. And Mm. I think, you know, it's tricky because it is a very opinion-based world, um, but there is also that medical influence, which is they're very unfortunately afraid of litigation and there's lots of interventions as a result. And 
the opinions that are associated with that. So, yeah, the community, the the people that you are spending time with, the, the practitioners or the, the professionals that you're working with, like I think they are all really important considerations so that it does contribute to this incredible experience rather than you walking on eggshells for nine months and more. Yeah. And, you know, women... <laughs> Women have been dropping out babies out in the field. Whatever. Like just in the most quite horrific situations and, um, you know, our bodies know what to do. Mm -hmm. They really do. So if we get out of the way, it's perfect. Just get out of the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We know exactly what we need to do. Yeah. Um, It's been fascinating. Yeah, so interesting. But while we have this conversation, because I think, you know, there, there is already a lot of changes in the space and there will continue to be when we look at sort of going full circle, like we've probably gone in the food space, um, we're going to see some more of those changes, I think, in the pregnancy space, which, yeah, I think can only be really positive. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just even, you know, seeing mums, being proactive about yeah getting those basic blood tests mm-hmm. um which what you know obviously didn't happen in my mum's day and age mm. but we have access to it it's um you know accessible financially to people and so why not and you know find out what what are your levels what's going on and and uh and investigate it and and want to be a part of it be active in the process of of knowing these things uh, instead of handing it over to your practitioner, be a part of it and be a team together and question. And because and, your practitioner will have um, you know, lots of knowledge that if, you don't, if you're not active in it, you won't learn about it and, and you won't sort of get the most out of it. Yeah, and that's where I think it's, again, that perfect dance that you and I talk about quite a bit because when I talk to my mum about her um, pregnancy journey, so she, I'm a twin, so she had twins um, I think she had one scan no blood tests and all they used to do back then was check for sugar in your urine to rule out gestational diabetes now I I don't agree with the no blood test because otherwise I would have probably ended up with some kind of anemia and wouldn't have been able to get off the couch but I also don't agree with like over scanning and over testing and and contributing to the worry when maybe baby's in a different position but it's you know 20 weeks or 30 weeks and there can be so many changes by the time you get anywhere near full term so you know i think let's use modern medicine of course but let's not go too far and cause unnecessary worry and i think in some cases you know too much information can be harmful yeah absolutely mm. So cool. Such a great conversation. Thank you again for sharing your knowledge. Um, As always, guys, email any questions in, reach out to me via social media. And thank you, Kirsty. Can't wait to chat again soon. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, Before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Real.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.